Hello, welcome to Clockworks, a Legion podcast. I'm Jan Moffat, and I'm alone right now, so I usually have Paul Moffat. This episode is a little bit of a bonus for you. We recently were at a convention, uh, Sci-Fi on the Rock, here in St. John's, Newfoundland. We did a panel for the convention and we recorded it. The sound quality is not up to our usual because we just recorded it on our phone, but I feel like it's still a pretty good listen. Um, the questions are a little fuzzier. If you can't hear them, we'll maybe release a little transcript of some of the questions with this episode. We also had a slideshow presentation along with our with our talk, and that will be a link to that will be in the show notes, so you can follow along if you want to see the slides that we used. There weren't many of them, just a few images from Legion. So hope you enjoy our little uh, presentation here. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this panel. We, I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Dan Moffat. We run a podcast about Legion, and I'm going to be recording this uh, panel to be broadcast, assuming that all the sound works as a live edition of the podcast. Um, so, we're going to talk about uh, psychics and psychedelics, the weird symbolism of FX's Legion. I want to start by just giving a bit of a uh, thumbnail sense of some of the ideas, some of the uh, art history ideas behind Legion. So one of the big things going on in Legion uh, is, or in our discussion of Legion especially, is the idea of surrealism. So we should be aware surrealism is an art movement um, in the avant-garde modernism. It comes up in about the 20s. And surrealism emphasizes very strongly the uh, idea of expanding your sense of reality by recreating the sense of dreams. So they want to reproduce the experience of dreams. They want to reproduce in art dreamlike narratives, dreamlike stories, dreamlike images. Um, and this uh, the painting that's behind there is one of the most famous surrealist painters by Salvador Dali. Uh, Legion also is really influenced by another art movement, which is psychedelic art, art and psychedelic music and narrative and stories. So psychedelia uh, starts in about the 1960s, and it is really influenced by advances in uh, psychiatry and in drugs. So psychedelia, psychedelic art is all about reproducing or representing the uh, experience of being on drugs and particularly uh, psychedelic drugs, that is hallucinatory drugs. So in psychedelic art, you're reproducing hallucinations and you're experiencing hallucinations. Both of these, surreal art and psychedelic art, are both about changing the way you perceive reality representing reality in a different way, in an unusual way that's not like everyday waking reality. And they both, behind them, are filled with the idea of uh, there's more to reality than what we normally perceive. So both surrealism and psychedelic art are about you're going to see things and experience things that are more than you normally do, but it's there, right? You're accessing, you're broadening your consciousness and your perception and accessing something that wouldn't normally be there. Those are both quite similar to, in, to the concept of psychics. That is, 
You're accessing with your mind something that you wouldn't normally experience that isn't normally part of the everyday experience of life. And whether we want to, um, whether we want to make a claim about whether psychics exist in real life or not, psychic stories are about a character who is seeing, perceiving, understanding the world differently from how everyone else does. All of that is about the blowing your mind, right? The experience of surreal art, of psychedelic art, of psychic uh, narratives and stories are about blowing your mind and perceiving things that normally you wouldn't, seeing things in a new way. And it's, I want to, the repeating gif is kind of, uh, once would be great, stop repeating. But uh, (laughs) the uh, idea that I find really interesting is one of the reasons that we like stories, one of the reasons that stories are so uh, impactful and valuable is that we get to experience in a story both something very familiar and something not at all familiar. So you've already, you know what a mystery story is like, you know what's going to happen in a mystery story, but you don't know who done it in this mystery story. And particularly superhero stories are especially, like they're formulaic, they're, in one sense they're always the same, but in another sense, they're always completely different. And those two things go together in Legion, especially with it's a superhero story that falls in some ways very strictly into exactly what we expect from a story. But at the same time, it's playing with all this surreal psychedelic uh, perception to do things that are not at all like you expect in any story. And I just want to start by drawing attention to that and to think about the way that it's not just Legion. Like, think about if you're familiar with Grant Morrison comics uh, are also full of both surreal, dadaist, psychedelic art because he's taking uh, a formulaic form and that gives him freedom to really go in uh, very strange directions. Or think about Twin Peaks, which is basically a murder mystery, except it's surreal because... The form is so familiar, we can work within it in all kinds of really weird ways. Or think about any number of sitcoms that have, like, a sitcom will have suddenly one episode where everything is insane, like the dream episode, because it's such a formulaic form that we can feel comfortable in the form and then go in very bizarre ways and still feel safe. That's one of the things that is going on, I think, in Legion, which brings us to... What even is Legion, Jan? What is Legion? So how many of you guys have actually seen the show, Legion? All right, awesome. <laughs> um, so it is a TV show. It's on the FX channel. It's hard to get in Canada, so that kind of sucks. But you can buy it on iTunes, which is what we did, or acquire it other ways that you might do that I would not promote. We would um, not promote or endorse yes, that. Yes, exactly. Um, we would not promote or endorse. <laughs> <laughs> so Legion comes from Marvel Comics. He is... In X-Men Legacy, I have a couple of comics up here, if, you, if either of you guys want to check them out afterwards. Um, Legion, is, Legion is David Holler, who's Professor X's son. But basically, that's the only way it's connected to the X-Men at all, especially this TV show. This TV show takes it and just goes in a completely different direction. So we have this whole show with David, David Haller, and he is schizophrenic, but he also has a mutant living in his head. And so, we're, I'm sorry for, if you haven't seen it, a little spoilery, but there's the Shadow King is the, 
Legion is is the sorry the Shadow King is the mutant that's living in his head, and so throughout the show we're getting these hints as to who it is that's living in his head and what is happening and what's going on, and throughout the psychedelic aspects, you may be like, well, you're just reading into this, you're just seeing things you want to see, but this show is built very much so that you find your own meanings in things. We have a TV show where, for example, near the end, the main character spends a little while looking at a main screen of clips of the TV show that he's been in, and that represents, you know, him being unaware of what's real all through the show is about mental illness and schizophrenia and psychic powers and mutant abilities and how those things overlap with each other. And one of the things that makes it such a fascinating show is this way that we're never sure whether what we're seeing is the filmmakers showing us something surreal because it's a surreal TV, as a surreal TV show or whether they're showing us what is literally happening and what's literally happening is just really weird because he's a psychic. And it plays with that very in very fascinating ways. Absolutely. And what you just said about uh, reading into it is something I had meant to talk about in Surrealism, and I'm going to come back really quick to say, fundamental to Surrealist art is that uh, the juxtaposition of images. So in Surrealist art, and when I say art, I mean paintings, but also stories and music and whatever, Surrealist art, the idea behind it is that just like a dream, there's a bunch of stuff happens, and then you wake up and you turn it into a story. And a lot of the psychology of dreams, a lot of the theory of psychology of dreams is that dreams don't really have meanings. They're just a bunch of images, but you attach meaning afterwards. That's kind of what surrealist art is meant to be. There's a bunch of stuff that I'm going to show you, and you as the viewer read into it and add all this meaning and the difference between good surrealist art and bad surrealist art is this like when I read stuff into it do I end up with nonsense or do I end up with something that's interesting and satisfying yeah so so every part of Legion builds together to make to have things you can read into so something small that we noticed while doing our podcast was David's shirt so Paul's even wearing the same shirt as he's wearing. So we have this shirt that he wears, and you're like, you know, this is just a shirt, but he's, it's a round hole and a square peg, and it's showing, you know, first it's showing he doesn't fit. David isn't fitting in the world around him at all. He spent five years in a mental institution. Something about him doesn't fit. But then there's another thing of he's got something inside of him. He's got something that's grating against him that doesn't fit, and so you have this square thing inside of him, and there's two layers to it. There's the the red and there's the blue. And throughout the show, red is always whenever the Shadow King appears, whenever like there's this devil with the yellow eyes, creepy guy appears, the lights go red. And so just playing with the colors, you can all notice these things just by watching his shirts. Another shirt. The arrow pointing off to the side. We had a long discussion in our podcast about this. We did. About the devil and the angel on the shoulders, and it's pointing towards that. There's times when there are things behind him that it might be pointing at. Later on, uh, the character Lenny comes over his shoulder, and on that exact side where that arrow had been pointing, not even in the same episode, different episode, but if you're paying attention to where these things are happening, they're happening over that shoulder. 
And we also, I've just, uh, about this, we also said in the podcast uh, that... That's misdirection. That was it. Go, (laughs) say it then. No, you're good. It's about... You go. It's about misdirection. It's about look over there. It's a, David doesn't want you to look at him directly. The, the, he doesn't want to be known that he, that he has this mutant living inside of him. So it's kind of this look over there arrow. Or the mutant doesn't want to know yeah, or whatever. What I mean. yeah. And then one more thing about this image is that it's uh, north-northwest. So it's an allusion to Hamlet uh, where... The, Characters in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in the play Hamlet by Shakespeare think that Hamlet is mad, and he says, no, I'm only mad north-northwest, which in the play means I'm just a tiny bit off. I'm not like, the compass isn't wrong. It's just like, not quite north. And here David wears a shirt that's north-northwest. Uh, so is yes. he crazy, or is he just a little bit off? Uh, this, this one, yeah, if you zoom in there, this is a tornado is more little but more literal of like men his mental state is a storm there's constantly storms going on next one this is the one that i'm currently wearing with the yellow triangle this he starts wearing this in an episode where the shadow king is in control and the shadow king gets called the devil with the yellow eyes it's a yellow triangle and triangles are starting to season two just started there's been one episode and i've noticed that the Shadow King is associated with triangles, and so it's continuing into the second season that when the Shadow King's in control, he's wearing this shirt. I don't think we have a picture of it, but at the end of, this se- of season one and the beginning of season two, he's wearing a double triangle shirt with uh, green on the inside and showing that the devil of the yellow eyes is outside of him now, but there's something split about his personality. Yeah, and the... I mean, schizophrenia literally yeah. means split personality. We'd, um, about the shirts, like we should also just be clear that a good costume department in any TV show will dress people in clothes that mean something. But there's a difference between like, oh, this person's wearing a uh, cheap suit, not a fancy suit. So we know they're trying to pretend to be important. Like those are... Uh, a good costume department will pack the clothes with meaning, but they won't necessarily pet the clothes with images on the shirts that are symbolic of the mental state of the character. Yeah. That's one of the things about like surrealism. That would not make any sense in real in realism. Yeah. It's just but it it happens all the time on this show. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about a recurring motif in Legion, uh, and that is there are musical numbers. And more specifically, there are dance numbers. So this is from the first episode for the podcast. I'm showing a gif of David dancing the Bollywood dance. Um, There's a whole series where they play a French song and they all do a big Bollywood-style dance number. Uh, Later on in the season, there's a moment where there's a big fight scene and two character and uh, one of the characters, if you're familiar, mm-hmm. Carrie is two different people. So there's a female Carrie and a male Carrie, and they come together to be only one person. And while female Carrie is getting beat up, we split back to male Carrie being hurt. And then on top of that, we have a third character, Oliver, who is trapped in the astral plane, and he's dancing. And we're splitting between this fight scene, this person being hurt by 
not a fight, like being acting as if he's being hurt when no one is there. And this, uh, Oliver having a dance scene at the same time. Oliver, by the way, played by Jermaine Clement, who is like the best yeah. person. Greatest human. <laughs> Greatest human. <laughs> uh, and then later in the season, there's another big dance scene where Lenny, uh, who is maybe the Shadow King and maybe is not exactly the Shadow King, but Lenny, who's an antagonist, uh, spends a while walking through David's memories and dancing around through David's memories. And so it's, there's, you know, there's a mental hospital that is a psychic mental hospital where they're all trapped inside David's brain. And then she opens a door and goes traipsing along through David's memories while uh, the music plays uh, uh, It's a New Day. And then in the most recent episode in season two, there was another dance, another like amazing dance sequence where David uh, finds, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil the plot, but just the uh, moment David meets up with Lenny and uh, another character who were all antagonistic, possibly towards each other or possibly only towards David. And the big fight scene is a three-way dance-off. And I just wanted to like, Highlight that, first of all, to say that it is insane. It's, it's completely bonkers as a thing to happen in a superhero show. So I brought that up not having a necessarily set kind of series of things to say, but for us to do what we do on our podcast, which is talk over what we think is going on with all these dance scenes. Well, it's... Fundamentally, the surrealist art puts you off as the audience. Is you're watching this and suddenly you're feeling like you're going crazy. You're watching this and you're suddenly you're you're drawn into the madness itself. And that's part of the joy of watching this show is that you feel like you're thrown off because it's nothing. It takes a turn that doesn't you don't expect. You expect them to maybe they're going to fight, but no. Instead, they dance. You expect them to, yeah. I think definitely all the dance scenes are about like alienation of the audience. Mm-hmm. One of the ex- basic experiences of watching Legion is having no idea what is happening. <laughs> and you have to, like what I was saying before about surrealism, like there's a degree of familiarity because it's a superhero show and it's a TV show. And you, if you trust the creators, you trust that there's going to be meaning, but uh, you have to just be comfortable with, having no idea what is happening and why if you're going to watch the show. And what you said about, uh, I'm, I'm going to s- repeat sort of something that you said in our most recent but unaired podcast <laughs> episode, which is that a lot of the episode is about making the viewer doubt their sanity or making them experience mm-hmm. this insanity, which is kind of like what you just said. Yeah. And all these dance scenes are like, is this, wait, I thought this was, this show isn't the kind of show I thought it was. The experience of watching it isn't the experience I thought it was. The story isn't the story I thought it was. Am I actually losing my mind right now? <laughs> uh, and you like, you got to enjoy that if you're going to enjoy Legion. Yep. Do we think, like, why dance, though? Do you have any thoughts about why are there all these dance numbers? Because it comes up more, like, if there was just one dance sequence, I would say it's about alienating the audience and you don't know what to expect. 
But I just showed like several in a row. We keep coming back to dance sequences. I mean, music is really evocative. Like, yeah. Sorry. Trying to make order of the chaos. Trying to make order of the chaos. Dancing specifically. I mean, we could say uh, music throughout is really important. Music is important for psychedelic art, particularly because you play, uh, and a lot of the music is psychedelic. Uh, and as psychedelic art and the idea of reproducing hallucinations and experiencing something that couldn't be real, and so they play uh, music that you might not, um, that they, they play music in psychedelic art that couldn't really exist with instruments, and a lot of the soundtrack of Legion is electronic or shifted or backwards or... It sounds a lot like a video game. I got reminded of Portal. I don't know if you, you played that, but it sounds a lot like the Portal music. So maybe the dance sequences are about are also about, like, it seems like a hallucination and a dream. Mm-hmm. And dance specifically, I like that thought about... Uh, it's about making order because dances are choreographed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one maybe isn't. I mean... Clearly, it actually is, but this one isn't. Doesn't play as if it's choreographed, but something like this one is extremely choreographed. Or this one also is like there's backup dancers dancing in unison, so we have this sense of, at the same time, complete uh, unexpected unfamiliarity, and the character, the actors are all doing something very set and very choreographed to maybe. Uh, turn chaos into order at the same time as we're turning order into chaos. Yeah. Do we have any other thoughts <laughs> about why dance specifically? Like, I think maybe the, the other thing, uh, we had, um, we talked, had the good fortune to talk to several of the people involved in making the show uh, and interview them on our podcast. Our, we talked exciting. to Jeff Russo, who is the composer of the music for Legion. He was amazing to talk to. Uh, and we talked to Denny Gordon, who directed uh, one of the episodes. Um, and both of them and the other people we've talked to said that uh, the creator of the show, Noah, Noah Hawley, is very willing to let the people exercise their creativity, like do a weird thing and try it out. And if it works, we'll keep it. And if it doesn't, we won't. And there's Although the dance sequences are a lot of work, there's a real sense of fun and play in all the dance sequences. Um, and that maybe is an element, it's definitely an element of psychedelic art in general and of surreal art in general, that you know, one of the ways that you take things seriously is by not taking them seriously. And you just do something, even if you don't know the reason, because it's fun. And these dance sequences are possibly just that. That brings me to uh, episode seven uh, that I talked about, that we t- interviewed Denny Gordon, who directed it, is this episode. In episode seven of Legion, there's a sequence where suddenly it's in black and white and the music plays loudly and we don't have any dialogue. I didn't get a gif of, uh, but it's a silent film. So the, the dialogue is all like silent film cards. And Lenny, the villain, is very reminiscent of, like, a silent film villain. And she's, it's one of these off-putting, what kind of TV show am I watching right now? I just don't know. 
In our interview with Denny Gordon, we discovered, we learned that that silent film sequence wasn't planned. It wasn't uh, filmed that way. It was filmed with sound. It was filmed with sound. Like, so at the time of filming, they recorded the dialogue, they filmed it all, and it was only afterwards in editing that they looked at it and said, hey, wouldn't this be neat if it was a silent film? Let's try it. And that's one of the senses of play that really uh, makes a surreal show so satisfying that you get not only these layers of meaning that you can unpack and we could talk about and have in our podcast, we could talk about like silent film. Why silent film? Because she is a reference to an older villain. She's an older mutant. So it's a reference to an older film style. She specifically, her makeup looks like the villain, the man who laughs who is the inspiration for Joker. She's a comic book character, like they're comic book characters, and they're referencing something that's older than the comic book character that influences them. So it's a callback to an older style of film. We can talk about the way that this, for example, she has this psychic control over them, and that symbolizes the way that she's in control of the whole world. And the fact that uh, the, the panel, the title cards, or silent film title cards, symbolizes the uh, lack of any kind of familiar, solid reality, even for the characters within the show. But all of that is, you know, they just did it that way because it was fun at the time, right? And one of the things I love so much, I think we both love so much about Legion, is the way that you can do both of those things at the same time. Those aren't mutually exclusive. We can talk about how it's just cool and fun and they did weird things to be weird. But that doesn't mean that those things don't have meaning and significance that you can look at and unpack and figure out. Any questions, thoughts? I want to open it up for thoughts yeah. from the from the audience, from the gallery. Questions or thoughts about Legion or things you wanted to talk about? Go. What aspect of Legion drew you into it? We watched the first episode. Uh, someone like recommended it online. We watched the first episode, and I often check my phone while I'm watching TV, you know, I'll be doing something else. I didn't look at my phone once. I had a glass of water in front of me that I forgot to drink. It was just like (laughs) something hooked me about this show that it just blew my mind, and I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. Basically, that's what drew me in. It was the characters and, like, the storytelling that I had no idea what was going to happen next. Yeah, and we watch, we both watch a lot of superhero things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... But what I was saying before about surrealism, about uh, familiarity, unfamiliarity, like, I also forgot to check my phone. Like, I, it wasn't like I decided to be a good person and not check my phone. It was like an extra long episode of TV, and it never occurred to me to look away. <laughs> and as soon as it finished, we said to each other, like, we need to do a podcast. About it. We need to, like, spend all our time thinking yeah. and talking about this show. But I think for me... Uh, Part of that is this unfamiliarity. Like, I just never knew what was going to happen. And sometimes when you don't know what's going to happen, it's like, this is, it gets boring because, like, you're just throwing things at the wall. I don't trust you. But maybe the moment watching the first episode where we, there's a moment where David is, in what looks like a police interrogation and then it zooms out and he's really in the bottom of a pool and then it zooms out and the pool is in like a high school 
and you're, I, I was just like, nothing I thought I understood about this show is real, and that hooked me so hard. I was <laughs> like, I need to watch this until I get all the answers. Yeah. And maybe the other thing, too, for me, was how quickly we started to get answers. Mm-hmm. That I watched way after it aired, but we, I watched Lost. You watched it, some of it before yeah. me. But, uh, and like Lost is famously has questions they never answer. And then in Legion, like two or three episodes in, some of the big like mystery questions started to get answered. And that just made me more hooked because I was like. They actually know where they're going with this. They aren't just doing anything. And the things they haven't answered, I believe that they're going to. And even now there are questions from the first season that they never answered, but I believe they're going to. And that makes me, like, really invested in continuing to watch it. Yeah. Go. Uh, well, you said mentioned this is an FX show, and it's a, like, Fox property. Is that, yeah. Are you worried the show's going to change how that Fox, you know, owned by Disney, bringing it into the wider Marvel universe if they decide to I think they aren't, because... Uh, Noah Hawley, we've talked, we talked to Jeff Russo, the music person, and he told us that Noah Hawley has a plan for three seasons already. Okay. Not sure whether that'll go on to a fourth, fifth, whatever, but there is a solid plan in place, so I doubt that it will end up crossing over with the other Marvel shows, but I, I am worried that it would. That would suck. I don't think it really fits with any of the other yeah, shows out there. Like a very unique yeah. It seems like a very unique property. I'd hate to see it get watered down with all the rest of the Disney Marvel stuff. Yeah. I just kind of get that same flavor. Yeah. yeah, me too. I would say if it has something in common with another Marvel show, it's like the Jessica Jones, the Daredevil, the, those Netflix shows. Those are more along the darker yeah. line. See, Definitely it not. Like it might be close to like Doctor Strange or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. One of the best things about our, I mean, I loved our conversation with Jeff Russo was great, but one of the the best things that came out of it was that was hearing that he as the composer uh, heard from Noah Hawley bits of the three year plan so that he could see like musical cues that would then play out over the next three years, which is shows the level of pre uh, preparation and thought that goes into the show. And everyone we talked to, like the cinematographers, the everyone involved is like, very carefully thoughtful about how everything happens and all the colors are very uh, artistically chosen. And so I would, it would make me nervous if that starts to bleed over into other people's visions. Um, I think he could cross over into their world, but they could not cross over into his. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If David shows up on next season of Iron Fist, I would be fine with that. <laughs> but if Iron Fist shows up on Legion, I am going to flip out. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Any other questions? Comments? Um, well then, we have, as we said, we've brought a couple of the comics. We started, uh, has anybody familiar with Legion the comic character? Did you, when you uh, did you know Legion, the comic character, before you watched the show? Is that what drew you in? Yeah. Because uh, I, we, I was vaguely aware of Legion as a character when we started uh, watching it. I'd like, 
read X-Men a smattering, but I wasn't, I'm, I'm more of a DC person in comics. Uh, and I like vaguely knew who, uh, David Holler was, but then after watching the show, we then went back and like read a bunch of Legion comics. Mm -hmm. And they're also, uh, if you're unfamiliar with them, uh, they're also great, especially I think this run, uh, which is, uh, X-Men legacy. Um, we have number two and number three here, but written by, uh, Simon Spurrier. And they're the same kind of, uh, trippy and surreal that is what I like so much about the show comes up in the comics also. And we, you can feel free to take a look at those comics before you leave if you want to. But thank you so very much for coming. Yeah. Thanks. So that was our presentation for Sci-Fi on the Rock. I hope someday to meet you all in person. If you were at that panel, give us a shout out. Uh, either send us a tweet or an email. Tweet at clockworkscast. Email clockworkscast at gmail.com. And we'd love to be go to more of these uh, panels. So if you know of any cons coming up and you want us to be there, let us know. And uh, if we get enough money, maybe we can make it to more panels. So hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.